0: My guest today is Tiffany Nguyen. Tiffany is, amongst other things, a fellow podcast host of a show called The Alt Normal, which centers on diversity as both a beautiful and absolutely critical force for reshaping and reimagining our future, for building a world post-pandemic that's actually worth fighting for. She's also the co-founder of a remarkable marketing agency called Resonance, which Helps people tap into their deeper inner stories and bring out an authentic truth that resonates with others that they can share in a way that really makes a difference in the lives of the people that they serve. She's also the author of a really wonderful article, which was published earlier this year on, on a blog called Blood and Milk, about how she's curing the cancer she never had with epigenetic science. And that article in a way served as the the seed for our conversation. Although in another way, it took us a while to get there because one of the things that Tiffany shared before we started recording was this insight that um, the way we are in our bodies and what's happening to us physiologically is often the doorway that we walk through into any conversation. And one of the Oddly and weirdly, when I step back, at least for me, when I step back and look at it, one of the weird taboos of our our male-dominated culture is our discomfort with human bodies and women's bodies in particular. And so Tiffany shared with me that she was in what she calls her moon. In other words, she was having her period. And that that was impacting her in emotional, hormonal ways. And a part of her in past iterations of herself might not have shared that with me and might have tried to power through or maybe rescheduled and simply said, Hey, I'm not feeling well, but instead she chose to share openly. And that served as a jumping off point for our conversation. What is it? What becomes possible when we listen to our bodies and in particular, when women listen to their bodies and use that as a, as a way to navigate the moment, and from there, that opened a door into the beautiful work that Tiffany does in the world. In a sense, as a yoga teacher, as an activist, as a podcast host, as a as a storyteller, in all of those contexts, she's helping people tap into inner wisdom and actually listen to it and not try and repress it or ignore it or pretend like it's not there. In 2016, she left her corporate life as a producer in New York City, and uh, she's building really amazing communities around some of the themes I've been talking about. And specifically, this article she wrote, which the title is How I'm Curing the Cancer I Never Had with Epigenetic Science, is about building an epigenetically empowered movement and community for longevity. In other words, to understand ourselves on the level of our genetics and the ways that we can engage and shift which of our genes express in our bodies through through um, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual practices, how we can how we can send signals to our genes to turn on or off. and for for Tiffany, who has a a, a gene that she'll describe more in the show, which predisposes her to breast cancer, there was a real journey she had to go on to embrace our power to actually influence our physiology on the genetic level. So this conversation sort of enters into that level of depth right from the start. And if you're listening, particularly if you are um, a man or you identify in a male body or a male identifying and you find yourself uncomfortable talking about things related to women's bodies in a way that isn't about objectifying them or sexualizing them, but simply to just be present to who they are and what they're living with, then I hope you stick with this conversation. And if you're also someone who cares about how to tap into deeper wisdom and share your story in a really authentic way, this conversation is a wonderful example of that. And Tiffany models that so beautifully. Tiffany also shared a meditation, which will include at the end of the episode, and as a download from my website at mindfulcreative.coach, uh, which speaks to some of the work, allows you will allow you to experience some of the work that she speaks to in this conversation. Okay, that's enough for me. Let's take a moment to get settled in. And hear what Tiffany has for us. Tiffany, hello.
1: Hi, Andy.
0: Welcome. Welcome to the Wonder Dome, Tiffany.
1: I am so excited to be here.
0: Me too. I think this, I don't know if this is entirely true because I'm, because there are, as I started touching to some of my other guests, I suspect that they might. Have podcasts or podcast projects, but I'm, I know for sure that you are explicitly the first guest who is on the show who I found out about because of a podcast. Like that, uh, you are a pod- podcast host of this really cool show called The Alt Normal. And uh, you shared that with a community that we're both a part of, and we connected and vibed and just, I'm really excited to kind of be like, Oh, like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Here are two people who think a lot about podcasting and who do (laughs) podcasting kind of, we're going to hang out. And so I want to kind of welcome Tiffany, the podcaster to be here in whatever way she wants to be here. Um, So I'll pause there and just name that. And then there's some other things I want to touch into.
1: Mm, I, I, I'm. It's great to be in the company of someone who loves to ask questions just as much as me. That already <laughs> warms my heart because questions are my favorite things mm. to put out in the world. And just to be in the presence of someone like you who does the same, yeah, it's like finding a kindred spirit of questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very. The first time we spoke now, which was, gosh, probably six months ago or more, there's that real immediate sense of kindred spirit spiritedness. So I'm really glad you're Mm. feeling that too.
1: Yes. Yes. Feeling it.
2: Mm.
0: (laughs) The other thing that I'm, I'm in touch with that I thought we could presence here at the top before we, before we dive in is, you know, you named for me that today is a really potent day for you Um, on the heels of kind of a, what sounds like a difficult couple of weeks and your travels and that have ultimately for the time being led you back to New York, you're arriving here and what you described and tell me if I'm getting this language wrong, but, but what you described as being in your moon and Mm -hmm. kind of that monthly rhythm and the way that's impacting you and your body and your energy today. And, you know, I was just struck with, as you share that with me, I'm aware of, of um, you know, my wife and her own, her own process there and, and the ways in which that that reality, which you know half of the world has their version of of what you just described as kind of being in your moon and being in your body in a really unique way, there are in in some of the patriarchal kind of dominant systems we exist in. Like even mentioning that is taboo. That there's something something taboo, self conscious, maybe even shame associations of shame for that and. And I was just like, you, mm. fuck that like <laughs> you know that's just that's ah that really like that really is sad to me and upsetting to me and I, and I thought, you know maybe yeah. you decide you made a choice to name that out loud with me, which felt in a way a bit um more forthcoming and more radical and the and the root word of the sense radical, like connecting to something that's true for you at your roots then i I mm. sense a lot of people might be willing to do. And I felt like, well, why don't we start our conversation with that? And, and maybe I could ask that as a question, which is to say, what's important to you, Tiffany, about naming that and honoring that and speaking from the physiological, emotional, embodied state that you're in, as opposed to pretending that's not happening or not naming it and sort of trying to just come in and be, be something else. Like, tell me more about what was important to you about naming that for me before we started.
1: Yes, well, first of all, I absolutely love that you found resonance in me sharing that, and that is becoming the starting point for this conversation. You know, as a podcast host myself, um, yeah, I you know, I had I have my process of like, you know, researching, preparing, really road mapping the conversation. And when I arrive with someone, there is an aspect of really connecting to what's alive. Um, But then I kind of launch into questions. And then as the show goes on, there's, you know, moments of really checking back in about what's alive, which really comes from the body. Mm -hmm. And Mm. I told you before we started this conversation today, you know, this is my first time on a podcast. I'm very comfortable being on the other side as mm. the tour guide of questions and conversation. Um, but maybe less familiar with being, uh, the person yet yeah, being interviewed and, and being hosted. And so coming into this conversation, I was actually reflecting on what does it mean to really just show up exactly as I am, without needing to change it of course i can't change the fact that i'm on my moon or that's another way of saying on your period um mm. but also how can i perhaps lean into that
2: mm. as mm.
1: fertile ground for emergence right like what does my body want to narrate what does my body's intelligence wish to express and And could this be a chance to really show up in that, um, in a very, you know, seen and public way with you and for whoever's listening in today? Mm. And if you had probably talked to me, you know, a year ago, chances are, and I wonder if listeners would agree, like, okay, I'm going to be on this podcast. I definitely want to be really sharp. I want to have you know, like a particular lens. I want to be cognitively very sharp and attuned, but perhaps not as attuned to the body itself. And, and maybe if you had talked to me a year ago, I would have tried to reschedule it and say, hey, I'm not really feeling my best. Mm. I want to really be at my best. But mm. wait a second, like, what does that even mean to be at my best, right? Um, mm, mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because may- maybe maybe I'm at, I'm at my best right now, exactly as I am because it's not like I'm sick. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit different because literally I don't have the same hormones in my body. Um, they're they're kind of gone during what we call the inner winter, which is a metaphor for being
2: mm.
1: on a period on your moon. Mm. But what if that could be its own intelligence? What if that could be its own, uh, experience that that is witnessed, and there's a lot I can share about just like my relationship to embodiment. But I think for me, what was important about sharing that with you is to maybe bring to light something like you said that is often taboo, which is, you know, a woman who, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, who bleeds once a month, mm. um, and you know, I think society, some cultures more than others, carry a lot of shame around that. Mm. Um, Just as an example, in Bali, where I spent uh, the whole year during the pandemic, uh, a woman who's menstruating can't actually go into a temple um, Mm. when she's at that point in her cycle. And in a lot of... um, cultures you know it's it's seen as perhaps unhygienic um you know you don't practice yoga and certain like ashtanga for example you don't practice uh yoga when you're on your moon and perhaps people see you know menstruation as a disruption but as as someone as a storyteller and as a, a woman on this planet really here to change conversations maybe this is the moment to say what if we can reimagine the power of a woman, you know, on her moon and give her space to step into a different kind of intelligence that's Mm -hmm. equally valid to the intelligence that I think society really predicates, which is cognitive, which is very mind, which is very achievement focused and ask instead, where is the strength in the softness of a woman who is in that point of her cycle. Mm. Mm. So there's a lot of layers there, but the fact that you chose to start the conversation from that place, I feel is quite radical because it's not often a conversation that's had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Tiffany, for naming it for us before we started recording and for being open when I touched in i was like wow maybe we should actually just talk about this before we talk about anything else because so much of the work that you do in the world which you've alluded to around storytelling and on around starting new conversations around helping people really resonate with the different layers of their experience and their and and who they are and what they are called to do in the world mm-hmm. i felt like you were modeling that in that moment you were sort of saying this is who this is who i am and how i'm showing up right now and what mm-hmm. I, I want to sort of celebrate is I, I kind of started, I think, implicitly with the assumption of like, it's radical in a way to just talk about it when we so often don't talk about it and have these, these, these religious and cultural taboos against talking about it. But you even took it a step further, which is to say, what if not only we talked about it, but actually we recognize that there was, some, there was wisdom and strength and insight there. There is intelligence there that if we could find a way to listen to and invite into our lives more, our all of our lives would be would be evolved or changed in some way. And so I want to, in particular, celebrate that and appreciate that.
1: Mm. Yeah, thank you for seeing this. And there's something kind of healing happening somatically in my body where I actually feel lighter having shared that with you and not mm. like this this heaviness or this withholding sensation of keeping it separate and pretending like it's not there when in fact it very much is a part of my experience talking to you today and it's it, there's like a playfulness that's now emerging around Ooh, you know like what does the womb want to say yeah. <laughs> in our conversation today yeah
0: yes yes do you would you would you be up for just sitting with that for for a moment and seeing if there's Mm. something else beyond what we've already touched into that, that needs to be said, maybe there's something that intelligence in you is here to say.
1: Yes. Well, there's actually a memory that's coming from that question you just asked, which is, would you like to stay with that for a moment or two? And it's the memory of actually my um recent uh ayahuasca experience Mm -hmm. that i had in august Mm -hmm. and for listeners ayahuasca is um a plant medicine that grows in four countries in central america and it's been used by indigenous people um of brazil ecuador colombia and peru for millennia Mm -hmm. and um this was my second plant medicine experience, and I actually got my moon on the first night of the ceremony. And just just so listeners have an idea of what I mean by ceremony, you can imagine, um, right? Like a, a beautiful hut. Um, it's called a maloka um, in, in the indigenous language, and you know, a, twenty-one people in this hut. Um, drinking this uh, fermented tea, otherwise known as ayahuasca, and then that induces you know, um, a psychoactive experience that really helps you dig at sort of the emotional, energetic and spiritual roots of uh, you know, physical, emotional ailments that we carry mm. and, and mm. getting to access a different part of our consciousness mm. in a different space. And I was not expecting to have my moon while I was there. Mm. And it actually really scared me because I thought, well, when you actually are in your moon, um, you know, women since time without beginning have said that uh, the veil of consciousness between a woman and like the spiritual realm or the higher consciousness realm is very thin. And so perhaps, like, you know, we have greater sensitivities. Perhaps the things that live inside our bodies as stories that wish to be seen and born arise. Um, Maybe we get insights or downloads that uh, we are, you know, ordinarily too busy to listen to. Mm -hmm. And maybe in that span of, like, three days to five days or however long that, um, that, that period exists for you... You know, you surface a lot that might not have been mentally present. Um, you know, in the month before, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I sat with that during ceremony, and it was really powerful to not only experience my moon, you know, in in this in this environment that is so healing, but also being under the influence of this indigenous wisdom, this plant spirit, this plant teacher, and <laughs> not being able to avoid that, right? Like having mm. to put my full self into an experience that's calling mm. for healing and wholeness. Mm. And I mean, we can go into kind of what that was like and what wisdom I surfaced in that, but it was just such a gift. And I was actually thinking that the, Um, maestros and maestras, who are the um, you know, the shamans who facilitate these experiences, I thought they were going to ask me to not drink because I had this assumption that, you know, maybe you can't do this medicine when you're on your moon. But in fact, they said, no, let's invite this in. Maybe we, you know, we you take less of a dose, but you know, there is wisdom in this. And Actually, when a woman is going through this in her body, she is cleansing her body. You know, she is releasing what's no longer needed on all levels of body, mind, spirit. And so how can I dedicate this week of healing to the process of letting go um, and, and really placing a focus on the womb and the intelligence of not only my womb, but the wombs before me? right? And what wants to release so that I can make space for what wants to emerge and and really um, honor that gift, uh, since this is what the universe is handing me in this moment. So Uh I guess when you ask me, right, like when you sit with the womb, what does she want to say? It's that memory of being asked to go through such a profound healing experience with my moon, um, front and center.
0: Mm. Mm. Gosh. I want to, you said, maybe we should explore the wisdom. Um, and I, my sense is like, hell yes, we should. So, so <laughs> I, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to explore more with you about what happened for you during that ceremony and how you've integrated it. Uh, and, and maybe through that doorway, we might if time allows, sort of land on the really cool work that you do in the world as a mm. podcast host and as a, as kind of a, uh, you know, I would almost describe you as like kind of a, a sort of essence whisperer, like you're helping people <laughs> connect to like what they really do and how they really do it. So mm. I want to hear about the wisdom and I'm, I'm curious to see if what I'm experiencing as you share resonates with your first person experience. Um, because I was just struck with something that felt like an understanding that I've never had before. And I want to see if it's, if it jives with what you're, what you just named, um, if that's all right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Please.
0: So every time you talked about kind of um, you've used earlier, you described kind of being on your moon, having your period as like kind of the the body's winter. Was that the, was that a metaphor that you used? Is that right?
1: Yes. And it just just so folks know, um, it's part of a book called uh, Wild Power, where two women actually talk about a woman's cycle by using the metaphors of season. And so inner winter is borrowed from that lens of Right, what is happening to a woman's body in this particular season? How can we use metaphor and the language of season to help us understand and make meaning out of that experience? Um, just so that's there's awesome. context around that. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's awesome. I've, I had never heard that metaphor before, and it and it, and it kind of gave me access to an understanding that I hadn't had. And then as you're sort of sharing, you know, if I'm understanding the physiology here, you're 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 womb is building up a placental lining and then shedding it because there's no, there's no fertilized egg that's been, that's essentially decided to stay in your body. And so, so your body is releasing now all of this tissue, it's sort of shedding it and releasing it so that, uh, the next, next time around, if you were to get pregnant, the, the soil to sort of stick with the seasonal metaphor or the land metaphor is, Mm. is fertile again. And that there's like, the right conditions by which a fertilized human embryo can actually like stay safely inside of your womb is mm. that is that right? Is that, a, is that,
1: that was wonderful, Andy. Yes, okay. well said.
0: Okay. So then, what I'm just struck with is like every month your womb is forming it is like it's like a new womb. It's this it's this is like every month there's a new possibility and either that possibility gets into the soil and starts to grow or it doesn't but if it doesn't there's this real important essential need to kind of let that go and say to send it off so that whatever new possibility might arrive the next month can arrive and yeah. uh, and i'm just like i was just like holy that that that's that's heavy to me i think there's something about the map being in a male body where where there are maybe subtler ways my body is doing that, but that is a really potent clear way of sort of communicating the truth that that we as humans have to kind of be in the right states and we have to let go of what no longer serves if we're going to be able to be in the right state. And I wonder how that lands with you
1: Yeah I, I, I I'm really just witnessing you know your your resonance with this topic in as so far as you can being in a male body um because you know humans are a part of nature right and nature operates in cycles right the sun comes up the sun goes down the moon comes up the moon goes down depending on where you live in the world you know right now we're in fall you know the leaves are turning beautiful shades of uh, red, orange, yellow, and soon they will fall and we will go into winter. Right. And then come spring, mm-hmm. the leaves will grow again and we can see this everywhere in nature. And if we are a part of nature, how can we see that in ourselves? Yeah. And, you know, if you had asked me a couple of years ago, um, you know, Tiffany, do you track your cycle? Do you have cycle awareness? I I would be like, what what does that even mean? Like, do I have to do that, right? Like that Mm. just seems like another thing to manage among all the other things to manage in life. But really, um, when I started to relate to my cycle through the metaphor of season, through the, the metaphor of like journey, like you just said, every inner winter when you are on your period you are shedding and the womb it can create life right mm. And mm. the same thing can be true and said for creative projects, for businesses, for ideas, for activism mm. for anything mm. Mm. Um, And in order for us to have and build up the inner reservoir of energy and creativity, we also need to, allow our bodies to also naturally let go when, when the cycle um, is asking us to let go. Right. Mm. And not fight mm. against it. You know, an example of that could be, Oh, you know, I'm on my moon and I have this big deadline, but I'm just going to push through and kind of neglect or choose to ignore what my body is telling me to do, which is to slow down and rest. Um, you know, and, 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 yeah. Why, why don't we listen and respect to that um, so that when our bodies naturally you know, come out of winter and enter spring and the hormones are kicking back in and we're slowly starting to feel our energy arise and feeling that kick of creativity come back in, then we have that energy to go forward because we chose to rest and slow down and honor the body's needs in the in the season before. And so, you know, I, I really, and again, I think the lens that I bring to this is like around story, right? Mm. What is the story mm. we've been telling about or telling ourselves about, um, you know, the woman's cycle and the woman's body and, and which, what part of that story feels right and which part of the story wants to change because, because when I started to honor my own body's intelligence, I started to realize that I not only felt better, but I felt more seen. Like I didn't have to hide parts of myself. Mm -hmm. And I have a new way of connecting to my own cycle um, and my own body's wisdom, which, you know, as a woman also living with this um, gene, it's called the BRCA1 mutation, which for listeners is, um, otherwise known as the breast and ovarian cancer gene, it puts certain women at a higher risk factor for breast mm-hmm. ovarian cancers. Um, for me, it's like, I've had to change the story of what it means to live with this gene in order to connect more fully to my power and to my body's intelligence. So it's all connected. You know, the body has so much intelligence um, and and that, you know, may not be the intelligence that society encourages, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily maybe like help us hit deadlines and work really fast <laughs> and you know turn around work you know on unexpected or unreasonable timelines. But it's a different kind of intelligence. It's a slower intelligence. It's a it's a more truthful. And regenerative intelligence. And yeah. I think we can all say, based on the times we're living in, you know, w- w- slowing down is a powerful tool for evolution. Yeah. Um, and that shows up not just on the collective, but really in our bodies. And our bodies are kind of a roadmap to that intelligence. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow, Tiffany, thank you for that. That was really fucking cool.
3: <laughs> <laughs> was it? Yeah. What was cool about it for you?
0: What was cool about it for me was the way in which you took, took me even deeper into this understanding and this reminder that um, if we do not give ourselves the space and time to let go of what needs to be let go of, and regenerate what's ready to regenerate then we are going to whittle ourselves down to a finer and finer point until we're so brittle that we'll break mm. and i'm really glad you used explicitly the word regenerative because we've been playing with this kind of seasonal sort of fertility of the soil metaphor a bit as you've talked and we've talked and well, I want to be really careful not to um, subvert your insight and bring it back towards the altar of productivity. Mm. What 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 I do notice is that paradoxically, people and systems and groups and communities that allow for the natural cycles of um, harvests and fallow fields of winter and then like blossoming of spring and then abundance of summer that, that individuals, groups, organizations doing both work in the natural world, like farming and, and forestry, but also work in, and the and the human made worlds, uh, that those seasonal cycles are present everywhere. And the, and the folks who realize that and attend to that are more productive. Like that's the kind of like, the other sort of kind of crazy thing here is that one of the stories that we're in touch with is, which shows up in in this experience that I think a lot of women have of like, oh, you have a deadline and, and you're on your moon, like just power through it, just repress it, just ignore it. That's right. That's a microcosm of a larger story, which is to say to all of us, oh, you're sick. Oh, you've lost someone you love. Oh, you... Oh, you're, you're feeling some doubts about your work. Oh, you're like fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. Just, just push it down and power through, just push it down and power through. And that, that as a way of being productive is useful until it's not. And when it's not, boy, Mm -hmm. it is brutal. Like there's something about being gritty for a period of time, but we simply can't, if we grit ourselves till the day we die, we die a lot sooner. Uh, and, uh, and so this yeah. kind of regenerative quality, if you look at farmers who use regenerative practices, their fields are more prolific and they have the yeah. upside of taking better care of the environment. If you look at organizational systems that, that are regenerative in their practices in terms of how they allow people to steward their time and take care of each other and, and when they do forward-facing intensive work and when they do more kind of retreat and learning and integration work those organizations are more productive. Like, so there's sort of this weird paradox in that the story of product productivity, which asks us to repress, 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 ignore, save it for later (laughs) Mm. is paradoxically making us less productive. And so what you've just like modeled today is to say, I'm not going to pretend that this isn't here And in so doing, it feels like you're bringing in a much, you open the door for a much richer conversation that we might have already had a rich conversation, but it now feels like the conversation that we were meant to be having at this moment. And so I just think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for layering in just how what I'm sharing also is reflected out organizationally and systematically and, You know, I mean, so many things pop to mind, but you know, another another thing perhaps to add to what you just shared is, you know, we're we're living in this thing called the great resignation, right? Where Mm. people are realizing, Mm
2: -hmm. yeah,
1: well, you know, for the last 18 months, you know, I stayed at home, I realized my productivity went up, up. I got everything done and I had more time to take naps. I had more time to spend with my family and my loved ones. I had more time to actually look at the things that I also love doing outside of work and giving that more energy and attention. And, you know, why why can't I have more of this? You know, and, you know, two years ago, three years ago, we would have never thought that, we would be living in a time where more people are demanding. Uh, I just read in an article like not work-life balance, but like life-work balance, where we center, you know, our well-being at the nucleus of how we show up in the world, and everything else sort of supports that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you can, like you just said, be more productive by maybe slowing down and like reorganizing life a little bit. Then what else is possible, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, it's really interesting how how so many scripts are being flipped right now, and and this really energizes me um, as someone who really is here on planet Earth to help change conversations to the whole healthy and complete, which is another way to say regenerative, right? Because yeah. regeneration in essence, is whatever feeds life, whatever adds to living systems, whatever creates more good than harm, yeah. right? And I feel like that word um, is so much more human to me than even the word sustainability because sustainability is, sure, it has its, its place. And I think, um, y- you know, sustainability is better than not sustainability, but it's sustaining what we already have versus going a little bit deeper and asking ourselves, how can we really do better within ourselves and do that personal work so that when we show up, you know, in our communities and our workspaces and our family spaces and our wounded spaces, like we are more resourced to, to really do what we know is true and to do what we know is really based in nature and not on, you know, theory or, you know, what we think needs to happen, but what is the body's intelligence trying to say? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And body intelligence is something that I'm like super excited about these days. Um, I can share more about that and how it, how it shows up in like storytelling and just like the process that I lean into uh, for myself, but how I also help other people. But yeah, the more that we're like talking about the body like my body is just like buzzing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same. Well, so we have kind of a choice point here because we think, I think we have about maybe 25 or so minutes left. One choice point is for us to go deeper into your uh, ceremonial journey, the medicine work you did with ayahuasca mm-hmm. and the wisdom that emerged for you there. And maybe in some ways we already have, just by virtue of what we're talking about. Another path mm-hmm. is to go into the path you've just named, which is the sort of, what does it mean for us to have access to our full embodied wisdom? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm noticing myself kind of drawn a little bit more towards the second path as opposed mm-hmm. to the first, but I also really want to like let you check in and say, do what would be of most service to me and to Andy and to whoever might be listening right now for me to kind of peel back some more layers around the ayahuasca experience or to start to kind of shift towards given the ground we've laid right now, what else can mm. we learn about the power of embodiment and storytelling and and that piece? Mm.
1: Yeah, I I would like to lean with you into that second one. And for me, you know, i I do feel like maybe some, snippets or fragments of my ayahuasca experience will probably come through because what I'm about to share perhaps about this sense of embodied storytelling really came from also my ayahuasca experience like they're Mm, all great kind of related in some way like I don't really see where one starts and the other one ends um yeah let's let's lead into that second path
0: great so when you think about Or when you feel, when you feel this idea of, when you feel embodiment, like when you feel embodied, this is so interesting. I'm just noticing there's a part of me that keeps trying to use mind language, you know, think idea. Mm. Uh, It can be hard to talk about body because we don't have often have cultural language for it. Um, Mm. So I just want to name that for anyone who's listening, who's feeling a little, a little uh, dislocated, Right. (laughs) That, uh that's because culturally, we're really not great about language. Language is a useful tool, but it can be a limiting one. So mm-hmm. yeah, Tiffany, maybe you could take us more fully into what happens for you or for your clients or for your podcast guests or for the spaces where you're helping people resonate and connect. What happens when they move? to integrate their whole experience, not just what's happening above the neck, but also what's happening everywhere in their body. What's, what's, what's powerful about that through the lens of storytelling?
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's a question that I've sat with for a long time because I'm such a mind person as well. And, you know, I, I really love the mind. The mind is very powerful and, Mm -hmm it's all about integrating right mind and body so I guess a a place to start this is you know I come from like a a background that uses a lot of minds like a marketing background a brand background a framework background and Mm -hmm. and I just say that so that the way that I answer your question really lands for folks, because I think that, for example, if we talk about telling your story in the world, right, whether that's a personal story, whether it's a business story, brand story, bio, that story emerges from the mind, but it also emerges from the body. I just believe that we have so many frameworks to help us you know, figure out, okay, what is the beginning? What is the middle? What is the end? What is the pain point? What is the solution? And we fragment, right? Before we can actually go into what is the truth that wants to emerge within the whole system, right? Mm -hmm. The whole Mm. regenerative system that is the human intelligence, not just mental or cognitive intelligence. Mm. And I actually wrote... um, an article about this because I was kind of grappling with how do I, you know, before I even think about like helping clients tell their stories um, and figure out strategically and creatively how to make that happen. But how do I take a step back and really understand the process more holistically? Because um, when we bring too much mind into a storytelling equation, we actually limit ourselves from maybe accessing the scary thing, right? That's a little bit too hard to say, or the part of ourselves that feels conflict. And, you know, instead of, um, instead of doing the easy thing, which is to say, oh, let's just, you know, use, use a framework to tell the story more completely. Like, what is the tension within the story? And so maybe I can use a personal example to illustrate this. So I said before um, that I have this BRCA1 gene, and uh, this is kind of the catalyst of why I decided to kind of leave my um, producer role in in like the corporate role and move into what I'm doing today. And I had this gene um, diagnosis when I was 23, and for the longest time, I was really sitting with the question, you know, how how do I move forward with this? Most women who have this gene, um, you know, actually get this thing called the prophylactic mastectomy, which is the the surgery to actually remove your body parts um, Mm. so that you reduce the cancer risk. Mm. Um, And that's like the dominant story, right? And the other secondary story is... You know, to kind of manage the risk by getting tested every year, and there's like a whole laundry list of tests, and the narrative is like, "Get tested until quote unquote you get it," which you know isn't really an empowering option mm. either. Mm. Um, and Jeez. so, yeah, it, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty hard to you know live with something that you can't even touch or see, but mm. is driving your entire life. Um, and so basically, uh, I want to find the easy way to share this cause you know, it's is five years in the making, but basically I went on this whole healing journey where I left New York city. I left my role as a producer. Um, you know, I traveled a ton. I started to seek out new, new communities in the world. I started to really look at myself and, And, you know, study yoga, meditation, started to read, started to ask big questions, started to do plant medicine in the hope of arriving at a point of clarity of what is this third uncharted path that doesn't exist yet around being a woman with this gene and, and just to clarify,
0: so what, what would be different. the sort of two charted paths? Like one path is to get tested until you get it.
1: I heard you say some words, Andy, but I think they got swallowed by Zoom, right?
0: Yeah. All right. So um, if you're listening, you might what you're hearing me say right now may or may not be edited out because we had a little bit of a technical hiccup there. Right in the midst, as Tiffany was sharing this <laughs> sort of insight that she was deciding to track a third uncharted path the first path being getting the 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 preventative mastectomy the second path being just kind of test 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 until you you get you do or you don't get the cancer and then there's this sort of uncharted third path that you were walking towards Tiffany from this kind of question we started with, which is what does bodily wisdom have for us when we think about storytelling? So maybe to the, to the extent that you're able, you can kind of pick us back up with that third path question. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Thanks, Andy. And I want to also just add one other element to what you just shared, which is, um, Angelina Jolie, she's the actress. Uh, She wrote this op-ed in the New York Times um, where she came out about having this genetic mutation and the steps that she took to eliminate risk, which was that first path of getting the surgery. Um, And so this was like a big conversation back in 2013. Mm. And that was right around the time that I was diagnosed too, which was such a, massive convergence um, wow. so this has been like really a long time you know journey of of healing and sitting with big questions and sitting with you know potential pathways that weren't really resonating, let's say with my body and my body's intelligence and so that brings us now to that third path which did, does not really exist um, which mm-hmm. is how can a woman, make an empowered decision to keep her body parts while also, um, you know, getting her exams every year, but actually um, empowered to to take health generating and life generating steps to, you know, create longevity and to create that anti-cancer path right? Mm. The conversation Mm. is rarely about, um, how do we create health from the inside out? Um, and so that was the, that was the story, I guess, that I wanted to find within myself that kind of prompted me to kind of leave my life that I created in New York and, and really step into the unknown, um, step into that void, into that mystery of, Okay, I'm going to find this third path, um, and maybe I—I I, I don't know exactly where that's going to take me. But, but the body's impulse is to 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 discover, to explore, to to trust. And so, without without going too much into the whole story, um, basically from that point until present day, I've been actively searching for answers, going into ayahuasca ceremony, asking. The plant teachers, you know, like, why am I really here with this gene? Right? I don't think anything is fragmented and accidental. And what I came out uh, from this experience with ayahuasca was, well, maybe actually I'm here to really change that conversation. Maybe this gene is like the greatest teacher that I've ever been gifted with. It's just a matter of how you choose to see a reality right and there's always multiple stories Mm -hmm. and which story am I choosing to embody within myself Mm -hmm. and literally the words you are here to change the conversation um, came into my field came into my awareness and consciousness and sort of in the last three years I've been Kind of writing that new narrative, and um, through uh, through this body centered storytelling, um, which I can share more about, I was able to actually publish this coming out story of how I'm curing the cancer that I never had mm-hmm. with epigenetics, which is the study of how. You know, your beliefs, your lifestyle choices, your environmental choices, your relationship to trauma, to nutrition, to ancestral baggage, like how all of your choices and all that you consume actually turns genes on and off and um, produces healthy outcomes or diseased outcomes. Like Mm -hmm. it's all choice and it all feeds into our, our body's intelligence and what we choose to express. And li- listen, I'm, I'm sharing this because like, I couldn't have just sat down and written this story and published it. Like mm. I tried mm. so many times to do that, like three years. Um, and I realized that it wasn't a story that I could tell from my mind with like a beginning, middle and end. It was a story that quite literally lived inside my body and needed to sit, be slow, um, and needed to be written in a different way. And so only recently have I really put words to this process. And so this is relatively new, but, um, you know, I can tell you two anecdotes when I realized um, that this story needed to be written in a different way. Mm. Mm. One of one would you like to would you like to say something, Andy? I know those noises. I make them myself. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I'm just uh I want to hear the anecdotes. And um I, I think I think what I want to celebrate or underline is the ways in which changing The ways in which you are, you have, and you are, and will continue to change this particular conversation and many others that you're touching through your work feels to me expansive as opposed to reductive. Like the reductive, so much of what happens is, well, you got two choices, right? Like there's that sort of energy, you got two choices. In your case, it's either you get the surgery or you test until you get the disease, Right. And both of those choices suck. But sorry, those are the only choices. And mm-hmm. um, and I've, I experience you as kind of stepping into something that says, well, look, maybe Angelina Jolie, uh, I'm not going to make her right or wrong with her choice. I'm going to acknowledge that her choice was made in a context in which it seemed like there was only two choices to make. And for her, she made the best one she could with the choices she was given. But there's something in me that's telling me like a feel there's a feeling, there's a pull, there's a push, there's a a longing to say i I don't think I want to spend the rest of my life testing 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 and I don't think I want to cut off a body part and can we just like stop for a moment and go like like yeah. imagine that cut off a body part right like yeah. that's not insignificant. that right. doesn't dehumanize you if you do do that some people right. lose body parts choice choicefully or not but it's a big fucking choice and you're and something for you saying, "Mm, that's not it either. And so now you're like, here is a third, there's something else. There's gotta be more than two choices. Can I, can I can I live my way into a third choice, which in the process then like, it's almost like creating a wake in the ocean. Now, like now other boats can follow you. Other people who might also be feeling constrained by the two choices now have it, the very least have a third choice, even if the other two choices are still on the table. And I just really want to underline that as an important move here. uh, In our conversations, so many of our conversations have been whittled down to these, these two options, neither of which feel really good. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I'm just really psyched that you're sort of embodying. Sometimes we have to walk towards the unknown if we want to have another choice on the table.
1: (laughs) Oh, uh, hearing the words or the mirrors that you bring, Andy, are really astronomical for me and so appreciated because I mean, I, I never thought that I was going to share all this. Mm. Um, Mm. my comfort zone is helping other people tell their stories. (laughs) My comfort zone is asking people questions and holding them in the best light that I can and helping them unpack and dissect the anatomy of like, yeah, what's your vision? What's the value you wish to bring? What is the greater narrative and how can we make that palatable for a particular audience? Right. It's very, it's like strategy, creativity, and it's a big sort of undertaking. And I've always held people and admired people who really step outside of their comfort zone to really put a business out there or to take their side hustle out of the closet and, you know, be like tap into that greatest potential. So, you know, I realized, well, maybe I do this because I'm trying to do this for myself too, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, The truth that you can only help people and take people as far as you've gone yourself like that voice was so so prominent and so I realized wow like my body has a story to tell and I'm like kind of tying in all the things we've said so far but just even like the womb intelligence, like so much of that story lived in the womb. So much of that story lived in other parts of my body. And it was a very physical process of like sitting with parts of the story that I was really afraid to put language to put words to. And I realized like me sitting down, like on a laptop and trying to write this thing just wasn't going to work. You know, I really needed to you know take walks take my recorder out in nature put myself in situations where i'm sitting with strangers and trying to tell it failing and trying again to really access that raw material in my body of what is the scary thing that i don't want to say or what's mm-hmm. the thing that i'm maybe ashamed about to put out in the open and and it's it's such a it's such a personal process like storytelling is a really physical process um it's very messy it's very vulnerable um sometimes like you don't really know where it's going but there's intelligence in that and Mm. you said this earlier and I just want to name it again um you know being embodied being really intelligent with our emotions and our sensations and feelings that live inside of our muscles our tissues our bones you know it, it's 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 new that's like a foreign language even to yeah. myself I'm I'm very much a student of this as, and a practitioner of this as I am about you know helping other people access it as I do it with myself but you know th- I couldn't have ever sort of created this from my mind I really had to lean into the uncomfortable and really grapple with the non-linear kind of process that this experience has showed me. Um, and I realize too, you know when i when I work with like clients to figure out what is their business story or their personal story, it, it, sometimes it's not linear. And sometimes we have to really go into the body and find find that raw material from the inside out and, instead mm-hmm. of trying to force it or just put words on something that isn't really true. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, it's uncomfortable, you know, it's not always easy, but it's true. And that's the question that I really hold with so much love and passion. What is really true and, and how can we really birth that into being, um, because that's just nature, right? That's just nature's intelligence. And maybe we need to listen in different ways, um, and develop, you know, fluency in a language we don't have but but that that it lives in the body so it wants to be expressed right so how do we cross that bridge
0: Mm. you were going to tell uh an anecdote or two that might help people play with the answer to that question how do we cross that bridge um Mm, I'm aware. I, I am sadly. I do have a, a hard stop in about five minutes, but I'm mm. aware that I would love to hear at least one of those anecdotes before we sure. move towards a close.
1: Sure, sure. I would love to. Um, so I guess. Okay. So this is a short one, and I think it kind of illustrates the point. So I'm in a workshop uh, on a tiny island. In Thailand, called Kopanyan, and I'm literally sitting in the middle of a circle. And you know, for listeners out there, it was a tantra workshop, so we were actually all naked. I will just go on the record and say that. Um, and the point of this container was to really like speak your your truth or like say the thing that is you know, that that's hard to say, right. Mm. Acknowledging a truth about yourself and being seen in that process, being witnessed, um, with presence. And I knew in that moment, I had to go on that circle and I had to try to share this story. And it was super half-baked. I mean, mm. it was just like, you know, little bullet points. Um, and I remember starting, And I was so in my head, I was like, okay, how do I get the hook? You know, like, how do I have that big opening so people are engaged? And I was thinking so much about what does my audience want to hear? What do they care about? How do I fit my message into that container versus, wait a second, like, what is the truth in the story? And how can I find that sweet spot where I'm being truthful and I'm standing in the integrity of what I want to share? while also being in relationship to those around me. And I started the story super in my head and the facilitator just stopped me about three words in. And mm-hmm. she said, hey, listen, like you are so brave. And I just want to ask you if you could try that one more time, but this time like create a little bit more space in the body and just let gravity bear down and just let the body kind of speak. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, she said that, and I knew, like, you know, here I am, like naked, like trying to like get the story. I mean, that's so yeah, awkward.
0: Wow, yeah, this is like, like, uh, just as an aside, you're like evoking like people around the world that are having their like you know terror dreams of being naked in front of the classroom <laughs> while they're giving a presentation, and here you're actually like you're this is you're actually doing that, <laughs> and the and the teacher goes. Wait 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 wait! Can you be more naked, please? You're not naked enough yet. Basically, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's exactly what it was. That yeah,
0: was, yeah. Was so which, which was surprisingly exactly the invitation that you needed to hear. It sounds like it was oh. like sometimes we actually need to not only embrace our nakedness but somehow get even more naked.
1: Oh, there there is no limit to nakedness in that situation. And- wow. I was trying to put clothes back on, you know, metaphorically, but like there was nowhere to go and like all eyeballs were on me. And I thought, okay, I mean, here we go. This is vulnerability. You know, if this isn't vulnerability, I don't know what is. And so I'm just (laughs) going to go for it now. Like this is the invitation. Yeah. So in that moment, I just, it's just like something else switched on. And the story came out completely differently.
2: I mean, I don't
1: exactly remember what I shared, but in that moment, you know, you don't have to be like a Reiki master to feel energy, but it was just palpable. Just, it wasn't what I said. It it wasn't like plot points or this like beautiful conclusion or takeaway. You know, it was so um, just raw and real. And when I went there, with myself, I realized, wow, like whatever is happening right now will become a story later on. I mean, my big vision is to actually like give a TED talk about this one day Mm -hmm. and like start like a research project around this because Mm -hmm. that's how passionate I am about living with this and still not really seeing a lot of investment of energy, time and resources into looking at like health generation In in women with this gene, but in that moment, I knew by taking that step and being vulnerable and leaning into the the mess for that message to really arise, Mm. like that was the first step. And you know, I kind of call it like it's it's a sensorial draft, Mm. right? Like when when you're writing a story, like you know, whether you're more analog and you're more pen to paper, or you're more of a you know, you go straight to your computer. You have that first draft, but what if you could have that first sensorial draft and you can really be a witness to what the body wants to say? Mm. And Mm. I would just say too, you know, I know maybe talking out loud to yourself might feel strange. You don't have to go to a Tantra workshop to do this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Some people are like, talking out loud, kind of strange. Being naked in a bunch of with a bunch of strangers telling my deeply deepest story, more strange on a skillet. (laughs) Uh, So start small. Start small. It's okay to start small with just talking out loud.
1: Talking out loud. And if if you would like, like I'm happy to also share, I created sort of a a guided meditation with like visualization to help people if they want to tap into that
0: themselves
1: i would love to share that with you with whoever's listening with your friends your mom your colleagues your grandma like everyone has this potential
0: yeah Yeah. wow
1: everyone has a story. yes
0: so could i offer you know normally i really a part of me is feeling really disappointed that that we've kind of we've sort of moved past our time boundary and i have to draw a line now because of another commitment but yes to that meditation Mm. and um I'm cooking, I'll just speak this out loud because I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I just had this insight the other day. So it seems really timely. One thing I think I'm going to start doing for either this podcast or for another podcast is to actually begin to bring on, bring back certain guests who rather than having a conversation will simply facilitate an experience for anyone Good. listening. So if that like resonates with you, then maybe as in another part, part two, we could sort of we've, we've evoked in this conversation, a kind of sensorial draft of your work, which is about like the body and insight and finding the, the, the message in the mess. And, and you've evoked that so beautifully today. And for those who maybe want to hear more, like, we'll definitely share the meditation you already have. And maybe there will even be kind of a part two where, where we can do a live version of that, that we record and bring people into. So I just want to kind of name that as a possibility as well.
1: That gets me really excited. My body is saying full yes to that. And I love that because the wonder dome brings together practitioners of all kinds. Why not experience it? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Tiffany, thank you for, um, for just how you showed up before we started recording, which opened up this really, uh, really special space for me, at least I'll speak for myself. And, And I I sense that that others listening in will do the same. And uh, I want to just say thank you for that.
1: Thank you so much, Andy. And just giving me the space to just be completely myself and, yeah, allow for all parts of me, which I think is a very special gift. So Mm -hmm. thank you for the work that you do, for how you show up and how you've carried us both together on this journey. I've had so much fun.
0: Mm, me too. Maybe as a as a parting word, um, if people listening want to find more about the work that you do and the way that you help people tap into their their deeper embodied story, their deeper truth, and then begin to bring that to life in their work, their business, where where, where can people find out more about what you're up to?
1: Oh, thanks, Sandy. Yeah, you can uh, go to my website. It is Dig Seed grow.com. And you can find me there. You can send me an email. Um, and I'm on all the socials, Tiffany, Wen, maybe you can also just find me, um, yeah, on LinkedIn. That's also a great place, you know, just to start a conversation. Um, and I'd be more than happy to, yeah, support, listen, exchange. I just, I love being in relationship to people. Um, it's one of my favorite things and, yeah, if you also have a vision that you would like to bring to life, you know where to find me.
0: Mm, amazing. Deep bow of gratitude, respect, and joy. This is so fun. Thanks for, for not censoring yourself and trying to find another day, but rather showing up with, with where you are in this moment and opening this space. This is really special.
1: Thank you so much, Andy.
0: Okay, thanks everyone. More to come. Bye-bye.
3: Find a comfortable seat and allow yourself to drop more deeply into the present moment as you follow the inhale and the exhale. Staying with the breath as it is without needing to change or fix it. Becoming aware of the quality of your breath. Noticing how the breath moves in and out of your body. Now you can imagine a basket sitting beside you. once you imagine this, allowing all thoughts about the past, all thoughts about the future, simply fade away into the basket. A stream of thoughts, worries, distractions in the past and future in the basket, which you can always come back to later. For now, clearing away what no longer serves you in the present moment, to begin to open up space in the body for what wants to emerge, for what's alive and what's present right now. taking a few more moments in silence to let go of past and future and to arrive more deeply into the present. In this, storytelling meditation may have an impulse to write something down to capture something arising and I invite you to notice the desire or impulse to do those things and when you notice them to simply place them into the basket beside you. You can always come back to those desires or ideas or thoughts after this meditation. Let's begin. Taking your awareness to the top of your head, just begin to notice any sensations that are present. There's no right or wrong. Welcoming everything at the top of your head. As you stay with your awareness at the top of your head, I invite you to think about a story or moment that's alive for you right now this story can represent change pain a rock bottom moment or triumph that left an incredibly strong impression or memory. As you allow for the emergence of this story, experience or moment, asking yourself what happened leading up to this experience. What happened during this experience and what truly blows your mind about it? Staying with this experience for a few moments of silence, allowing everything about this to emerge organically as you stay with your awareness at the top of your head. releasing whatever came up for you into that basket beside you as you take your awareness from the top of your head down into the center of your heart. Inviting any and all sensations to come online for you at the center of your heart. You invite the same story from before back into this part of your body. Welcoming the question of what were you feeling when this experience or moment happened? What were you feeling? Staying with your awareness, the center of your chest in the heart space. And leaning into now What's the really scary or uncomfortable thing that is coming up for you that you feel perhaps hesitant to acknowledge or see? Allowing that tension in your story to arise in your heart space as you hold your awareness here for a few more moments of silence now releasing feelings, thoughts, images that arise back into that basket. You can always come back to them later. As we take our awareness now from the center of our heart down into the center of our belly, otherwise known as the solar plexus, the power center of action and will. Collecting your awareness at the center of your belly as you feel into any and all sensations arising for you right now. Inviting back the same story into this part of your body, the belly, as you open this part of your body to the question, what is your power underneath the scary thing from earlier? What is that power buried underneath your story and stay with it. And as you hold your awareness at the belly, Asking the belly, how does it feel to show up in the world in that power? Is that power alive in the form of a shift, a change or transformation or something else? Again, there's no right or wrong. Simply what's alive within the story at the center of your belly. Holding this for a few more moments of silence. Now, releasing your awareness of the belly and all that came online for you into the basket beside you, allowing all of it to fade into that basket, knowing you can always return later. Taking our awareness now from the belly down into the womb space or pelvic floor, the seat of your body, however you choose to see that for you today. Opening to the sensations that are present for you in the womb space or seat as you invite back the same story and open this part of your body to the curiosity, what is the wisdom or truth in this story? What wisdom or truth is here for you in this part of your body. As you invite this part of your body to speak asking what impact, lessons, or legacy does your story have on those who will live to hear it? What wants to be born from this experience today? Staying with whatever arises in the womb, in the seat, for a few more moments of silence. emerged for you in this part of your body into the basket beside you again you can always return to all of it after this meditation as we take our awareness back into the entire body from head to toe you allow your body to breathe, you noticing what sensations are alive in your entire body, noticing how your body feels after this experience traveling through. The different centers of energy as you allow your body to speak the story inside of you. What's moving through you? To close out this meditation today, let's take three deep breaths taking a deep breath in through the nose and sighing it out. Again, breathing in, breathing out. One more, in and out. Thank you for joining us in this meditation today.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Surqua, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact on the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.